Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on Monday. We're getting ready for USC Spring Football starting this week. We're going to talk all about spring with the Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for us here on the show, please drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that, 424 424- 254-9141 is the number. We got a bunch of voicemails today for Harvey Hyde show. We also for Dan Weber's show coming up a little later in the week, most likely on Tuesday. But some text messages too. Send those in. Send us a text. Leave us a voicemail. We love to hear from you. Play it on the air and then give you our take on whatever you want us to talk about. So we'll give our opinions on that. It's always our opinion, like Coach Hyde has to say. And we're going to welcome him in right now and get his opinions on a lot of stuff. What's up, Coach? How are you? Well, Ryan, it's great. It's uh, always good to uh, be on the show with you. And again, we welcome all of our listeners out there. And we thank them in advance for their participation. Spring practice is here. We're getting ready to see the new philosophies and possibly an identity of the defense and see if the offense is the same or they've made changes in special teams. I think that's something that I'm looking forward to as far as watching the progress in the entire football team. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. I kind of wanted to get – we'll start off with your expectations for USC spring football. I had some questions up the top, just kind of some general topics that we want to – what are you expecting to see when spring practice starts? And it's going to start on Wednesday now. It was originally supposed to be on March 10th, which is a Tuesday – uh, they said three o'clock originally. Now they're saying three forty. They because it's supposed to rain quite a bit. They said they moved it for weather. So this week uh, it will be the first week of spring football. Wednesday, uh, March eleventh, and then Thursday, March twelfth, both at three forty, according to the schedule. And then they'll practice uh, Saturday morning. But uh, right now they're going to do Wednesday, Thursday because of the weather. So if you were planning on coming to practice, and they are open, so you can. Make sure you don't show up Tuesday because they are not going to be uh, practicing then. Um, wanted to, you know, I, I guess in general, I put some topics up at the top, Coach, for expectations for spring. Are we going to see more physical practices? Uh, what's the defensive front going to look like? Special teams, are they going to look more efficient when they do their stuff? Who's going to be the left tackle? Um, how healthy are the quarterbacks going to be? And, and we're, are we going to see much of JT Daniels? Um, kind of what are your expectations, Coach, going into spring? Well, I would look at USC as, though I, as if I was the head football coach, and the first thing I'd want to do is make sure that we utilize every minute of every practice and that the drills are taught and we're getting the most out of the practices at all times, technique-wise, team-wise, everything we do. And I'd keep an eye on every single thing as far as walking and making sure that I'm just as interested in the defensive side of the football as I am the offensive side of the football. I would make sure that, remember, it's a a learning process for both uh, the offense and defense, especially getting to know each other on the defensive side of the football as far as 
there's a lot of evaluation going on. Coaches are evaluating players, their technique, uh, their skills, toughness, and also the players are evaluating the coaches. Do they like the coaches? Do they like playing for these coaches? Uh, They've been reading a lot and hearing a lot about these coaches. So there's going to be in the next couple of weeks, two or three weeks, uh, an introduction of getting to know each other and uh, seeing just who likes it this way or who doesn't like it this way. So you've got to make sure that uh, you're tough or whatever you're, who you are, but you've got to make sure, too, that you care about every individual player. And I would make sure that as far as the head football coach and the offensive side and the defensive side of the football, and I'd make sure that we were getting better and we were working on the things that we needed to get better at, not the things we're already good at. So when you talk about the physical side of the football team, uh, you're going to have to do that. But if you're going to get good on the physical side of the defense, that means you've got to get good on the physical side of the offense. Otherwise, the two don't match up. So I would say that on the offensive side, we want to get more physical. We want to run the football. We want to do more of uh, drills that will make them believe that we're not just an air raid football team. We can run the football at any time, anywhere on the field, gain confidence there. With that side of the football, on the defensive side of the football, we want to be able to let people know that we're for real and form an identity on both sides of the football, along with the special teams. Yeah, what, um, what do you look for? I mean, you coach special teams. What do you look for in special teams, with the, the way that's going to be run? Well, I look to see exactly how much time, how much enthusiasm, and make sure all the coaches – are involved in special teams because a lot of times uh, people think this is a rest period or they think that, oh, this is when I don't need to pay attention. So you got to make sure that your coaches are involved and that all positions are being uh, taught and you have uh, 30 eyes on the drill and, and the team that you're doing, not just two eyes or four eyes or six eyes. Plus you take the rest of the players who do not participate on special teams, and you make sure they're not standing around doing nothing. You make sure they're down at the other end of the field doing drills or hitting the bags or uh, quarterbacks are doing drills with receivers who are offensive players that will not see the side of the field on the defensive or on special teams. So why have them stand around? Get better during that period of time. And I hope they don't use or utilize as much time as they did in the past as far as on special teams, you don't need to use that much time on special teams. Keep it simple. Keep it good. Keep it, keep it uh, uh, what do you want to say, simple, so that people can, can compete and do what they need to do for that opportunity to get on the field. And if someone doesn't want to get on the field and doesn't want to play special teams, then maybe you're not going to be able to play here. Was that your opportunity to be a part of our football team? But keep the enthusiasm. Keep it moving. Teach it, teach it where it means something. And not in the middle of practice. Make it a part of the beginning of practice where it's important, where everybody's still fresh and listening. In the middle of practice, it's, it's a lunch break. It's where everybody just sort of recovers and gets ready to go and so on, so on. So myself, we used to do special teams always at the beginning of practice because we wanted people to know that it's one of the most important things that we do. We want everybody's attention. Special teams are really important, so let's do it first. That's like playing defense first in basketball. If you play great defense in basketball, you you get great turnovers, you get the fast break, and uh, you can win. So, you know, it's the way you approach things and where kids see it. And I'm looking forward to seeing if the practice uh, format is exactly the same as it's always been. I want to see if there's a different 
format, a different drill, a different way of starting practice, a different way of the horns, a different way of everything happening. Otherwise, when the players go on the field, it's the same old stuff. You got to give them a complete different look where they realize there's been a change. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. Just how different is the format of practice? Is it, you know, does it look almost exactly the same as last year and you kind of move some pieces around or is it really formatted differently? So I'm curious about that as well, coach. Um, Well, we got a lot of uh, questions this week heading into spring football. We have uh, emails and um, voicemails and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Why don't we start with Don? Because he had a question about practice, and that's what we were just talking about. He said, since the underclassmen have been used to basically seven-on-seven types of practices for three years, the new mentality will be a big adjustment. Using the assumption that practices will be competitive and physical – which players do you think would benefit the most? I'm assuming all but a few would really benefit. That's from Don. Well, you know, uh, you've got to do seven-on-sevens, but before you go to that, you do individual drills as far as teaching routes, teaching catching drills, teaching the different things of of what a receiver is all about and what a defensive back is all about. You don't immediately go to all of these drills, and I think that's where coaches make a big mistake is they throw it right to team immediately. You've got to learn the individual techniques of running routes and also uh, stock blocking, do the things that's necessary, the legal aspect of when you block down and where you can block and all the different rules and regulations of how to play the game, where you make your splits on, as far as on uh, different parts of the field, how wide you're split. You've got to make sure people understand. In fact, there were some drills that I used to do at the beginning of spring practice, and even in the fall we didn't use a football in them. We would let our defense line up against the offense, and they would come out with different formations, different motions, different sets, and everybody made adjustments, and everybody was supposed to end up where they're supposed to be before the ball is snapped. So you've got to make sure that kids aren't thinking when they're playing the game. Kids have already done the thought and seen it, and they're able to execute what they're supposed to do because they've seen the adjustments they've had to make, and they have to talk to each other. On the offensive side of the football, they get to know exactly the rhythm and what's going on and so on with the snap of the football. But then from there, there's no snap of the football. You go back, line up, and continue doing these type of things until they're ready to move on. I would not move on to teaching anything else until, first of all, you know how to line up, you know who your responsibilities are. That's both on the offensive side and the defensive side. And then you're not thinking about what you have to do. You can execute. Some coaches try to move too quickly, say, oh, they know this, they know that. No, they don't know this. No, they don't know that. They want to hear that. They want to hear a review of everything that's going on. That's why I didn't have a lot of chalk talks. I didn't believe in doing a lot in the classroom because you do it in the classroom and you come out and you got to do it again. So do it on the field where they're fresh and willing to learn and understand what's going on. So I would move along this way. And uh, then, of course, when we get to uh, down the road, when practice gets going and they understand that, then you can go to seven-on-sevens and all the different things you can do. But there's not a rush. It's doing it right. And with the motions and all the different sets you have that you're going to give, you teach it right at the beginning so they understand that. Then you can go into the teaching of the plays and the routes and the reads and all of that. So there's a lot of a process to all this teaching that goes on. Yeah, no, that makes sense, Coach. Um we had a question, so you mentioned it about the physical 
nature of you want to see the offense be physical so it gives the defense more of a test instead of more of a finesse kind of thing because it's really tough you know it's tougher for the defense to kind of get ready we had a voicemail question along those same lines so let me uh, play it for you get your thoughts hi uh, this is guy from lake balboa and i just wanted to ask a couple of things of the remarkable knowledgeable uh mr hyde coach hyde coach uh, i talked to you a lot of times at games and i used to talk about your dog c c Fever, and then again you told me you replaced with uh molly i hope molly's doing very good i never hear you mention molly but anyway back to football i, I always uh, think uh, that you have so much common sense compared to other uh, people uh, not on this board but on other other boards everybody's knowledgeable on this board but about the uh, the problem with having a uh, a mostly passing offense during practice that our defense will be uh of course uh practicing against and our defense like you say and this really hit home and it worries me our defense will not be ready for Alabama or any other team that can do that plays a complete type of football a lot of running and um we don't we just don't do that are we going to change things up in preparation for Alabama for that one week well what do you think we're going to do how, how are we going to deal with that i know you don't like the uh so-called air raid offense but what do you think can be done uh, to combat the uh, that sort of an offense practice wise fight on thank you guys for the great show uh i'm looking forward to hearing your answer bye bye well thank you very much and molly's doing great okay molly is really doing fabulous molly listens to the show every week she's right here next to me she says hello to you and uh all of our listeners out there uh i i've i've said it and i said it last week and i'll say it again the only way you learn how to fa- run the football and be physical is to practice that way and you can't talk about being physical. You you got to be physical. And why do you? How do you learn how to be physical? By putting physical people against physical people. Some kids like it. Some kids don't. Some kids start to cry, and you see that basically this game isn't for them. So you've got to be able to go against physical people and make an emphasis. You don't talk about it. You have to execute it. And after a period of time, it doesn't just all of a sudden happen. These coaches uh, uh, talk about it, but they've coached this way in the past, but these players haven't experienced this. So you just start going through it, and you and you let the offense know and the defense know at the same time that, hey, things are different around here. And the things that USC does well on the offensive side of the football, we all know this. They throw the football. And they've got to get better, too, in pass blocking. And, but they also got to get better in play-action pass and running the football. If you're going to play the type of teams that they want to elevate their their play level to, like the Iowas and the Alabamas and so on, to be able to play for championships. So during this spring, when you have two quarterbacks that are somewhat enabled to go full speed and you understand why, what do you work on? You can pass the football on seven-on-sevens and individual drills with them, but when you get to the full contact portion of practice, which is every day, even if you're not in full pads, every day you stay up in your blocks. You work on physical run plays, play action pass, running the football, two backs, under center, uh, power play, jumbo sets, all these different things where the kids know 
that they're going to be able to run the football. It's not a question in their mind. You don't have to talk about it anymore. They're not surprised when you call a running play. They're ready for a running play. And if you run the football three or four plays in a row, that's something you're accustomed to doing. And the receivers, they find out they're not a receiver. They're part of a football team on offense where they run and block, where they're part of every single play, no matter what that play is. So it just becomes something that becomes natural. It becomes where you understand it's part of the game. And I think when you name something air raid, you're sort of labeling the only thing that you really care about. And I think it's got to be USC offense, USC defense, USC special teams. And this is what we do, and this is how we run it. And, 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 And we do throw the football probably more than other teams do. But we want to be able to win running or throwing. If they take away the pass, we got to be able to run the football and run it with efficiency and toughness and confidence. So you've got to be able to drill these guys and put them on the sled and uh, let their tongues hang out and find out that if they get a cut on their elbow, they're not going to bleed to death. All of these type of things that are necessary to breed it. Now, it's not for every kid, but it is for the winners and the guys that like the game of football. Yeah. We love the game of football, Coach. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, that's the kind of attitude you want to bring, where these guys just love the game and they don't mind uh, the tough parts of the game because that's really what makes it great, an ultimate team sport. Um, we got a question from our buddy Curtis. Pretty simple one. Let's talk about it, Coach. Here you go. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. Jack Sears, come out of the transfer portal. We don't have any healthy quarterbacks besides Matt Fink. You could be the starter. What do you think, Peristyle? Yeah, Coach, so uh, Keaton Slovis ended up hurting his uh, his arm in the Holiday Bowl, and it sounded like from hearing Graham Harrell that he's probably not going to be 100% healthy. And we did hear from JT Daniels, Shotgun Spratling, talked to him at the basketball game. You might get, uh, you know, might see a little bit more of him than you expected in the spring, but you know he's obviously not going to be able to do, you know, the the contact drills or anything like that. But it might be a situation where the only healthy, fully healthy scholarship quarterback is Matt Fink. Uh, what do you think about Jack Sears? I know he recently visited uh, North Carolina State. Uh, he had committed to San Diego State. They had the coaching change, and he's not committed there anymore. But I know you, you're a big Jack Sears fan. Do you think there's any chance that he could come back, or and would you like him to come back? Well, I always felt he was a great player because he fit the type of offense where he's an athletic quarterback, and I like an athletic quarterback. Now, he's not a burner, but he runs good enough to keep a defense uh, honest. I think he's a true winner. He's a tough kid. Uh, will he come back? I don't think he will. Uh, not that I wouldn't want him back, but I don't think he'll come back. He knows the two quarterbacks are, that were there. They made a decision on who they thought was one, two, and three, and they put him at four, and I think that embarrassed him and hurt him. And uh, sometimes that, uh, that embarrassment and that hurt uh, you can never recover from, but it's a lack of trust that you can trust uh, someone, and all of a sudden you've, you said, I'm not going to go into that situation again. So I'm not quite sure. I would say 70, 80% he wouldn't come back. Now, there's one guy, Bradley, the big defensive tackle. I tell you what, I'd recruit him. I think he's a great player. I think someday he'll play in the NFL. I mean, schools are going after him. I don't want to throw out schools, but Florida State wants him. Uh, 
Boise State wants him. Kansas wants him. A lot of schools want him. They like his ability and so on. And right now, you know, he's he. I think he's going to leave, definitely leave. I don't think they'll be able to talk him into staying. I don't even know if they're trying to talk him into staying. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for a tackle or a guy that can play and big and experience and been around a while, and I try to talk to him into coming back. But as far as Jack Sears, I don't think that's going to happen. He would have already committed. I'm sure they probably ran it by him or just looked at him, but I don't think he's coming back, and they're going to have to learn to do what they have. And remember, as long as they're not running the football and you have a stationary target, like like right now they are with their offense, when you know where he's going to be, and these athletes have really dodged a lot of bullets. If you remember, Kendon dodged a lot of rushes last year and made some great throws. Fortunately, he wasn't hurt or but he got some, you know, real good hits put on him that he wasn't injured earlier. So you've got to be able to move your guy around. And if you don't run the football, nobody cares about the run. They're all coming after your quarterback in the passing game. They do. And, you know, you saw three different quarterbacks start games last year. So the, the injury thing was a problem, you know, with JT Daniels going down early. Then, uh, you know, Slovis, uh, he goes down against Utah and then, you have uh, you know Matt Fink come in and you know wasn't able to play you know the Washington game and there you know there's there was a lot of you know snaps that were missed and then Slovis getting injured at the very end of the season also so I mean I think that's certainly a concern um, Jack Sears probably would have been playing at some point you know and he'd probably get a lot of snaps this spring uh, but like like coach said I don't think that's going to be something where uh, we see him coming back. Um, let's see, let's move on to, we got Paul in Florida. Uh, so he, he's a big fan of the media events that they had on Tuesday. We talked about that last week cause we did our show, I think Wednesday, uh, the media event that they had uh, seven assistant coaches speak at. He said, Hey Ryan, fabulous team. I enjoyed your podcast, uh, on the meeting with the football coaches. I'm getting excited about our team again, especially with these new and motivated experienced coaches. I have a few comments and questions. Was Mike Bone at the event, and did he introduce the coaches? Uh, he was not. Yeah, Mike Bone was not there. I heard that Coach Helton wasn't there, which is strange, and I feel uh, might have been a mistake. I didn't agree with keeping Coach Helton, but a decision has to be made, and I'm willing to accept it for now, especially with the involvement of these star coaches. Maybe they thought Coach Helton would be a distraction, but I feel we need to support him and give him a fair chance now. I'm also... Uh, I am also going to give Bone credit for hitting a lot of singles and doubles. Bringing back Reggie Bush would be a huge hit as well. Your thoughts, Paul from Florida. Well, Paul, uh, I agree with you on the Reggie Bush situation. I thought that should have been done a long time ago. We talked about that, I think, last week. And uh, I blame the administration for even, uh, you know, I would have never sent that Heisman Trophy back. I'm going to say he won that Heisman Trophy. You know, I'd taken our Heisman Trophy, and I was Reggie Bush. I'd never send my Heisman Trophy back. Well, you know, that's the way it, I'd send him an empty box and say, do what you want with it. But, uh, yeah, that's enough on that topic. But as far as the assistant coaches, I think we discussed that a lot last week in our podcast. I feel, as you do, Paul, I really feel that uh, they missed the boat there not having Coach Clay Helton introduce his assistant coaches, not Mike Bone's assistant coaches. Now, if Mike Bone wants to coach the football team, that's great. They're his assistant coaches, and I'm sure he had a lot to do with selecting 
those assistant coaches along with Clay Helton. And I think there's a reason for the selection of a lot of these coaches that I don't want to say on the air. But I think that he should be the face of the program. They've decided to, to keep him as the head football coach. These people work for Clay Helton. They don't answer to anybody else but Clay Helton. And when you have a great relationship between the athletic director and assistant football coaches and assistant football coaches making statements and promises and what they're going to do, they can go directly to the AD and not your head football coach. I would have a problem with that as a head football coach. I would say, I'm going to introduce my coaches. I'm going to do this. I'm going to set the the standards. I'm going to control our staff meetings. I'm going to do all of the above, whether it's the offensive side or the defensive side. And if you can't go with that, then get rid of me. Owe me the money, pay, pay me, and I'm gone. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and be humiliated because of they decided to keep me. So if they decide to keep me, let me coach this football team. Don't set me up. So that's the way I feel on that because there's got to be a loyalty to one guy and who you're satisfying, and you're satisfying the head football coach, not the athletic director. And let me explain this to you. In the world of coaching, I said this last week, there's loyalty to your head football coach. If you're not loyal to your head football coach and you're an assistant football coach, you're never going to get another job. Because I'm going to tell you, that gets around in a hurry. Everybody talks about loyalty. You better start positive about every program you've been. If you listen to Williams and you listen to these other coaches that left these other programs, all he does is give Oregon uh, compliments. Best program. We went to the Rose Bowl game. We did this. We did that. All compliments. Nothing about anything else. Well, I'm telling you, that's what you call loyalty, the people that helped you get to where you are. And if these coaches aren't loyal to someone like Coach Clay Helton, then you don't even hear him talk about Clay Helton at all. I mean, as far as he's our head football coach, and we're going to satisfy him, and we're loyal to him, and we're going to do what he wants done. I don't hear that type of conversation. And, uh, and that bothers me, okay? So you've got to know who you're working for, and they're working for Coach Clay Helton. And if I'm Coach Clay Helton, I let it know, okay, we got a good staff but they're working for me, and if I want to get rid of, rid of one of them, I'm going to be, want to be able to do that. I don't want to say, well, I'm going to go to Coach, I'm going to go to Mike Bone, and he's going to, uh, he's going to tell me to do it this way. I don't need that. I don't need that within the, the friction of our staff or among the players. But the players start looking at who's running this football program. Is it Coach Helton or is it Orlando or is it – uh, hell, who's running this football program? And right now, I'm not quite sure who's running the football program. Yeah. And that's honest. I'm looking forward to find out who's running this football program. No, I think there's a good point there, Coach. And this is, and I think USC's being kind of smart about it a lot of times. I didn't have any issue with Mike Bow not being there. I didn't have any issue with Clay Helton not being there. Because they do need to kind of sell this product. And they want to sell tickets and they want to get people excited again. And even though Clay Helton's the head coach, he's not the most popular figure, obviously. So if you have these new assistant coaches, they want to trot them out there and show everyone, hey, these guys are exciting. Um, you know, this is what you want to talk about. And, you know, Clay Helton will hear from him this week. And I, I, I feel like they didn't want, you know, this was a good opportunity to just kind of let everyone meet the assistant coaches. It wasn't necessarily some spring football preview sort of thing, but. Uh, I thought it was great. I mean, this is one of the better things that USC has done. Um, so I'm not going to give him any kind of critici- criticism for not having, you know, Bone or Helton not there. But it's, a, I mean, it's a really good point, Coach, because he has to be the head coach. He's he's getting paid $4 million a year or whatever it is. Th- that's the one that everyone should be looking forward to and, look, you know, looking up to. 
but they're not really using him as the face of the program right now because it's not that popular. He's not that popular of a face, I guess you could say. Well, you're, you're exactly right. and uh, But yet, I didn't care about Mike Bone not being there with the assistant coaches, but your head football coach would be doing the introduction. I'd like to introduce you to our new defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando, and this and that and so on. He should be doing that. He should be doing that because, and, and I think it's nice to meet the assistant football coaches. But as far as now with spring ball starting and so on, that's it. Those guys work for me and we're going to do it and they're going to answer to me and this is the way it goes. And if they don't think the administration, that he's a, a positive part of the program and should be hidden, then they should have gotten rid of him. Yeah. They should have gotten rid of him. Don't do that to a man. If you like the guy and you want him to be successful, those players have got to know who they're playing for. Now, who are they playing for? The assistant coaches satisfy them. Mike Bone, they, they, they're looking at him during the game and want to know what's going on. Who do they look towards? as far as their lead. And you as an assistant football coach, who do you answer to? You better answer to the head man. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go to a – so we're talking about the head coach and the head man. Um, there was a lot of talk, um, people like talking about the discipline aspect of things, what was going on. Let me play you this one. Uh, it, there, he's referencing the War Room, which is a premium feature we have up on uscfootball.com. So hopefully you can uh, – Check that out. If you're not a subscriber, you definitely should be. Um, check it out. But I'll uh, play this vo- voice message for you, Coach, and get your thoughts. Yeah, Ryan. This uh, this message is for uh, either Coach or Dan. I really had a problem with the war room this week when it was mentioned that Helton, again, Helton said he's going to be more of a CEO and overlook the team and more importantly, be in charge of discipline for this year. Uh, Like other people have posted uh, in the peristyle, isn't this what he did last year? That's the same format, the same plan. We saw how the discipline went. Uh, Clay Helton always talks about that these players are his kids, uh, like he's a father to them. Usually fathers, parents offer discipline to their kids if they really love their kids. I haven't seen this. Nobody has seen this in this program. Uh, I'm really disturbed by uh, what was written, if that's what the plan is again. And Coach Hyde as well, I really thought the same thing that you thought, that um, why wasn't Helton at the press conference? These assistant coaches might as well be the head coaches. Uh, Curtis from Moreno Valley, I really uh, would love to know what you think. No, actually, I wouldn't. But anyway, uh, I know what you're going to think. Chris from San Jose, thanks. Wow. Chris from San Jose giving uh, Curtis from Moreno Valley a little shade there. But, uh, yeah, well, what, what do you think, Coach? <laughs> well, what basically – I've covered some of the stuff, so I don't yeah. repeat, repeat myself. What, what area do you want me to hit on? I mean, wherever you feel, I mean, I think, I mean, Chris, obviously, you know, with the, the discipline aspect of it, we saw Clay Helton say last year, he was going to focus on discipline and, and penalties and, right. you know, turnovers and, you know, discipline and turnovers, penalties. and USC combined was like one of the worst, if not the worst in the country in those aspects. Um, so I think when we, we wrote about that in the war room, now you have Todd Orlando, who'll run the defense. You have, um, you know, Graham Harrell running the offense. You have uh, Sean Snyder running special teams. So it's, again, more of a CEO CEO sort of role. 
and he wants the team to be more disciplined. And I think, you know, Chris and other, other people have wrote, and there's other questions kind of similar. Well, the discipline was terrible last year, and that's what you were focusing on. So how can that be the case this year? Well, first of all, Clay Helton's got his personality. He can't be somebody else, okay? So he can't be the uh, fearful guy, but he can be a guy that can make him fearful of something. First of all, he can get upset, and he can let his coaches know when he's get upset, and the players see him when he gets upset, at his coaches as well as them, that everybody knows who the boss is, okay? And one way you could do it is if your personality isn't one to punish or or do the discipline portion, all you do is you say, see Todd Orlando have to practice. That's all you have to say. And they know what they're going to. They'll find out what they're going to the first time. They'll find out what it's all about. I mean, when Ed Orgeron was there, you didn't want to go see Ed Orgeron, okay? I used to have a guy, no matter where I was, is go see Altanera, go see Jack Luce after practice. They knew what it was. We call it opportunity. And the reason we call it go to opportunity was it's an opportunity to improve yourself. Obviously, you're here for a reason, to improve yourself. So we're giving you this opportunity to remember what you did so you don't do it again. So if it's not Clay Helton's personality to administer it, then you have a guy that they say, oh, no, I don't want to do this. Because that guy gives them you-know-what. And it's not a suffering thing that's going to injure anybody, but it's something you don't want to go to again. And if you go to it too often, then you have double days with it. And you either make a guy or break a guy. And you find out how bad he wants to play football. Because if he's continually challenging the program or not being able to cooperate with what's going on with the program, maybe you're better off without him. So Clay Helton doesn't have to administer it. All he says is, hey, Jack or Jim, go to uh, Opportunity tonight. You need to improve yourself. Yeah. And that handles it. It takes care of it because he is not the personality to do that. Now, I was the personality to do that with the coaches or with the players and so on, but I didn't administer it myself. Someone did that, okay? Now, maybe I'll watch it to let him know that I want to make sure it's going properly, but I'm not administrating it myself because I'm showing them that it's important what you're doing. So I would watch it. Now, a lot of could do this, and they walk away, and they don't even know what happened out there. So to me, these things are important. And if your personality is not one to do it, then you have someone take opportunity for you. And they'll understand they don't want to go to opportunity to improve themselves. Um, Coach, we've got a few more left. A lot of them are having to do with, they all have to do with Clay Helton. So we'll kind of keep on this uh, topic, I guess. 1977 Trojan, this is a quick one. He sent the text, what are the chances Clay Helton gets an extension after the 2021 season, provided he lasts that long? Given the new assistant coaches, and if the team does well, what does athletic director Mike Bone do? Just asking 1977 Trojan. And uh, I'll give thoughts real quick. He was just extended, um, you know, a couple like a year and a half ago or whatever in February. Or was it two years ago now, I guess? And so now his contract's running through 2023. I mean, he's still got four years left on it. I don't think you're getting an extension this year unless you win a national championship or something. There's no reason. There wasn't really any reason to extend him when they did, and that's been part of the problem. Um, cause he, uh, right after the extension, you go five and seven. Uh, but now, you know, there's, there's really no reason to extend them cause you've already extended them, uh, out to 2023. So 
Yeah, I, I don't know. After a 2021 season, you're talking two seasons from now? I, I guess maybe, but I, I mean, the, the only the only way that's going to happen for him to stick around that long is they're, they're having great success, in my opinion. Yeah, extensions right now are things you're talking about. Right now, you just got to win your first game or your second game or your third game or whatever game you're playing. And uh, I don't believe he'll get an extension at this time, and he shouldn't even be asking for an extension at this time. They should be worried about what their game plan is as far as beating people. And uh, I think that would be the worst thing that could happen right now, any type of announcement, even after the season, as far as with the alumni and people, even if it does go to the Rose Bowl. I think it's something that you earn and you stay with it, and I think people automatically will understand that. And uh, uh, he'll have incentive bonuses in there anyway that all coaches have. If you win a national championship or the Pac-12 or you go to a big bowl game or whatever. So, you know, right now that's something to look at later on, not now. And I don't think there's any discussion on it. And if you're the head football coach, you're not, you're just lucky you're there Yeah. under the situation, the way it is. I'm not talking about extensions. I'm just glad I still got a coaching hat. Yeah. That's the last thing Mike Bone is thinking about right now is an extension for Clay Helton. So that's, you got to do, there'd be a lot of great things that would have to happen between now and getting some kind of extension. Uh, you got a premature extension already. You're not going to extend that again. Um, all right. We got uh, one more email and then one voicemail. Dave from Glendora wrote in. Uh, Hello, Ryan and team. After the super unpopular decision to keep Clay Helton, it seems that Mike Bone has somewhat landed on his feet by making several solid decisions involving USC football. From likely ordering Helton to fire several staff members to having a big hand in rebuilding the staff to what it is today, support staff included, Bone's fingerprints are all over this. Uh, lately, it's almost as if Helton isn't even around. We haven't seen or heard from him. I'm saying this, at, at, in saying this, I feel that Helton is in a no-win situation. If the team doesn't do well this season, as head coach, it's on him, and his firing is likely in order. If the team rebounds with a much stronger coaching staff, I don't think many will give him credit, because frankly, after watching him closely the past four to five years, it's not believable that he could do this on his own without lots, and he put that in all caps, of help. Without a, quote, professional AD, none of this would probably happen as history has shown us. Your thoughts, Dave from Glendora. Well, I agree with you. I'll tell you, first of all, you didn't have a professional AD around there for 10 years or whatever it's yeah. been, so it's been a do whatever you want to do and uh, and whatever they're doing, uh, not being understanding the role of what an athletic director is, and we've talked about all that in the past, so why review that again? And again, uh, as far as uh, these coaches are concerned and, uh, and so on, uh, hey, assistant coaches should get credit. Hey, the head coach is the one. This is why I'm making the statement that they work for the head coach. Part of his football agenda is to make sure I have great coaches around me. Look at Nick Saban. How many of his coaches have gotten head coaching jobs? But he has great coaches around him. But he's the one in charge of the coaches that teaches them what he wants taught, and he's the face of the program. So to say you don't have great coaches around you, that's been his problem. His problem has been he lost quality people around him. He had people around him that didn't want to recruit. He had people around him that didn't have the experience. He had people around him that didn't deserve to be at a, a, a school such as USC. Hey, Nick Saban hires Great coaches, Charlie Strong, Lane Kiffin, and all the rest of the rest of them, I can go through them all, that he's rehabbed. 
We've got him back in the coaching world as head football coaches and everything else. He wants quality around him. He's not intimidated about names or recognitions. He wants people that can coach kids so he can win a national championship. So I used to say I want guys that are better than me in areas around me because I can't be as good as they are in every single area they do, special teams, offense, defense, defensive back. I can't know if you're a great coach as much as you are, but I can hire great coaches that do that that make us a better football team. So you've got to be able to be not intimidated by having the greatest coaches around you can have, but you're still the face of the program and the coaches work for you. And this is why I keep saying that over and over and over. And I know Mike Bone had a lot to do with the assistant coaches, but he's got to make the statement to those guys. They work for Coach Clay Helton. Otherwise, it doesn't work, and the players don't know who they're playing for either. Yeah, you, Clay Helton has to run the show. But I think the the you know the email. There's a good point in there with you know why, why did it take an athletic director to come in, a professional athletic director, and change the staff up like they did. I think that's the biggest criticism from this because I like the staff the way it's put together now. I think there's a, a really good mix of, you know, most everyone's really good at recruiting and they're, you know, great at what their jobs were. And this was something you could have done if you're Clay Helton in year one and you did it. And there was a lot of just familiar faces around as opposed to going out and get great coaches like you said, coach. So to me, that's the biggest criticism is why did it take this long for Clay Helton to put a staff like this together? Well, you're exactly right, and we've talked about that a hundred times. I've talked yeah. about that a hundred yeah. times. I mean, really, uh, he fell into the head job at USC, okay? Uh, how was he prepared for the head job at USC? By working at Western Kentucky or Memphis? Then coming and working there at at USC and all of a sudden being the head football coach at USC? I mean, the people he's been around are all the people he hired. Those are the people he knew. He didn't know really how to go about being the head football coach at USC. He should have been the head football coach at some other great university, but I'm not blaming him for that. I'm saying uh, look at the people that gave him that position and what was his qualifications for that position. So don't put it on Clay Helton. Put it on the people that gave him that opportunity because anybody else would have said, I'll take that job too. And then remember, the athletic director normally approves the coaches that you're going to hire. They didn't know who he was hiring or approving, his brother and all these other people. Not that they weren't coaches, but were they the caliber of coach that should be at USC at recruiting-wise? And also knowing California coaches. Half the people he brought in are people that know, don't even know California. We're born in California. Now he's got a defensive secondary coach and a defensive line coach and people that have experienced Southern California and have ties in Southern California. You've got guys from Texas and area who've been on big time staffs and ought a big time recruit and been there before. So now he's got some people around him that know how to do it, but they've been taught by taught not coaches. Before coach Clay Helton wasn't taught by top notch coaches. In fact, every coach he worked for at USC got fired. And he ends up with the head goat. So don't blame him. He got a great opportunity and took it. Look at the people who gave him that opportunity. Yeah. No, I think it's a really good point there. Uh, one last voicemail. Now, this one, we don't recommend these kind of longer voicemails, especially when there's like five questions in the middle. Some of the topics we talked about, I'll jot them down as we listen, Coach, and then we'll uh, 
talk about a couple of these uh, going forward. But here's the voicemail for you. Hello, podcast. This is Richard from North San Diego County in Vista. And I have a few questions. The first one is it appears as if Helton is letting the offensive coordinator do his own thing last year, which I was unaware of. And now I'm hoping they're going to do the same thing with the defensive coordinator, let them run the show. And that would almost seem like Helton's a figurehead. And I understand that he hasn't been around that much. So the question is, do you believe that's the case? And the other question is, how involved do you guys believe Bone was in picking the coaches for the team? Those are really important. I'd like to know that. As well as I'm really concerned about the quality coaches that we've had. It doesn't seem like we've been able to coach them up. What do we have? Only two players invited to the NFL Combine? That's terrible. I think other potential players are going to see that, and it's going to scare them into coming to USC because USC's used to having, you know, eight to ten guys at the Combine. So what do you think about that? And obviously part of that problem would be the head of the snake, Helton, obviously not doing his job to get the players to the NFL. And I think that's becoming a recruiting issue, as you saw in the last recruiting cycle. And finally, the last question is going forward, what do you think about the next recruiting cycle? Um, it's got to be very good because it's got to take out the issues that came with this year. And I think it can be masked if we can get a good solid one next year. And then uh, we'll have, you know, two good ones on and then the bad one in between. Thank you very much. Look forward to hearing an answer. Wow, there's a lot there. Richard, so you could hear you, – I, I don't know where he was, Coach, but there was like birds chirping, dogs barking. It seemed like he was in a really pleasant place. That's nice. Well, good. I, know, I hope he loves animals. <laughs> I, I'm an animal lover too, okay? Molly says hello. Yeah. Uh, so uh, real quick, so he talked about uh, – Mike Bone be involved in picking the assistant coaches. We talked about that a lot, especially in the last uh, question. So hopefully, Richard, that was answered to your liking. Um, as far as recruiting getting affected um, with the next cycle, I do feel like that the the cycle we saw for 2020 is the worst we've ever seen. It's not going to be that bad again, no matter what happens. I think it'll just be better this time. We have Clay Elton's the coach, or if someone else comes in, um, but the. I guess we, maybe we want to talk about that first, Coach. The concern of only sending two players to the NFL Combine, Utah set like nine or something. I think LSU set like 16. Do you think that's something that can scare prospects away because they feel like they're not being developed? Absolutely. That's one of the things they look at, and it's the thing you look at and you talk about in recruiting. When you're talking to a young man or if you're in the home, you always point out the things that you're doing well. And when you're in the home, you always point out the things that maybe other teams aren't doing too well. So that's very, very important as far as uh, coaching, recruiting, and, and using players that are in the NFL or drafted or combined that are part of your program that have done well. You always try to uh, do that all the time. It's, it's a very key part as far as recruiting. And as far as the other part of that recruiting uh, thing is uh, if they don't win a lot of games, uh, recruiting, uh, the only way you're going to correct it from last year, I think you've got a good recruiting staff, uh, is you've got to make a change, an early change, and then continue with the enthusiasm that players are doing. And uh, you'll be able, and you said it, Ryan, it couldn't be any worse than what it was with 55, 55 or something in the country. But uh, if you don't recruit, you can't win. I don't care what type of coach you are. So you got to have great players or 
you know, anybody can coach them uh, when they're great players. But if you don't have great players, it doesn't make any difference what your experience is or who you are. And then the last one, we we kind of talked about this a little bit, but, you know, Clay Elton letting his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator run the show. Richard, they did that last year, too. I mean, he let Clancy Pendergast run the show and he let Graham Harrell run the show. So that's nothing new. It's just a different defensive coordinator now. It's a different special teams coordinator. Uh, he'll be able to run, you know, special teams also. But, I mean, his question was simple. Like, is Clay Helton just a figurehead if everyone else is doing all the coaching? Well, first of all, I think that's wrong. I think that's bad. I think it's his offense and it's his uh, defense. And he's in control of it all. And when he's watching the defense, he knows already what they're planning on doing defensively. I hope he's met with all the defensive coaches and and listen to what they're going to teach out there and what their philosophy is against different type of offenses that they're going to play. And he's in complete control. If he doesn't like what's going on, he's going to change it. He's got to have the knowledge of a game as a head football coach to understand that stuff, that what works and doesn't work against certain formation plays and so on. And on the offensive side of the football, he's had an opportunity now to evaluate Graham Harrell and, and knows what he likes or what he doesn't like, what went good, what didn't go good. And he's got to be able to step in. I don't care if he's the offensive coordinator. I'm going to say, Graham, come in my office. This is what we're going to accomplish this spring, and I want you to make adjustments to this, and we've got to implement this and take this out and do this and do that. And Graham's going to look at me and say, well, that's not part of my offense. I says, it's not your offense. It's my offense, okay? You're just hired to run it. And I brought you in to run it with what you are, who you are, and what we need to do to win here. And if you can't understand then, if I don't see that happening, we'll have to let you go. Now, I wouldn't say that in the first meeting, but down the road, if I don't see those things happening, I would, because uh, you're in charge of it all, and you, you're supposed to know as a head football coach what works and doesn't work against certain offenses and certain defenses as well as the special teams. And you've got to be in control of that. It's your responsibility. Then the game comes. Those guys are in charge of running your offense and your defense to the way it's been designed and if they're not doing what you thought they should be doing, then you implement it. And you tell them because it's your f- program with their participation. And they know that if everything works well, there's a great future for everyone, yeah. players, coaches, everyone. That's the coach, Harvey Hyde. Lots of great questions. Lots of interesting topics as we are about to start USC spring football 2026 new assistant coaches should be fun. Looking forward to seeing you out there, coach. And uh, then we'll get your thoughts next week after the first three spring practices. Well, Ryan, that's great. I'm looking forward to it again. Thank you for all your questions out there. Buckle up. And again, uh, if you'd like to follow me at coach Harvey, I'd, I'd love to have you as far as part of the huddle. All right. That's the coach. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me at Inside Troy. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 